Welcome to Pitch Deck, the podcast. I'm Sarah, and this podcast is brought to you by Juno. Pitch Deck deep dives into founders' ideas from day one. Focusing on them as people, we explore their stories behind the ideas and their pitch deck, and we find out why they're the best people to be pushing their ideas forward into the world. Because at the end of the day, investors invest in people before investing in their ideas. I'm delighted to welcome to the show today, Marie Farmer. Marie founded the award-winning app Mini Mealtimes after worrying about her son's health and nutrition and realizing the only options for advice were either patronizing, expensive or generic. She's been featured in numerous publications, including the Mail Online, the BBC, the Metro and the Evening Standard. To address this shortfall, she formed an expert and passionate team to solve this problem. Together, they created an app that works as a dietitian in your pocket. Mini Mealtimes provides age-appropriate, personalised nutritional information for parents, helpful, easy-to-action advice, and a bank of simple recipes and recommendations. Welcome, Marie. Um, how are you doing today? I'm good. The sun is shining. It's a, it's a good start to the, the week. Cool. It's so great to have you on here. Um, it would be really great to start um, with your story and what you're currently working on at the moment and to hear a little bit more about Mini Mealtimes. Um, so I'll pass over to you. Well, hi. Thank you uh, for inviting me and, and for everyone listening to this. Um, so for those of you who don't know and have never heard of Mini Mealtimes or myself before, uh, I am the founder of Mini Mealtimes, a nutrition app for parents. And I I had the idea for the app a few years ago, way back in 2017, when my son was going through a bunch of health issues. And as a first time parent, I just was lost. I didn't know what to do. I didn't really feel supportive, supportive. And we had to go through so many different appointments and they were so time consuming, expensive. Um, And it was just it just felt so I just was so lost. And I thought there's got to be a better way of doing this. And one of the tasks, one of the things that I was tasked with was doing a nutrition diary for him that the, his doctors could look at. And I remember having to write it down in this notebook every day for every lunch. And it was just, you know, and I just thought this is so this is such a faff. This is ridiculous. And I thought there's got to be a digital version of this. Um, and so I actually went into my fitness pal because I was using that a lot of the time. And I thought, I can track it in this. But it said, no, you've got to be over 18 to use this app. And I thought, why Why is that? Why is there not a younger version? So I started doing a lot of research into, you know, children's physical needs and their nutritional requirements and the way children eat and the way parents feed their children. And it was a massive, it was a huge rabbit hole that I went down. Um, and I realized how complicated it was. But I thought, there's got to be a way that we can solve this. You know, it's modern times. And so that was the spark of the idea, uh, because I just wanted to know if my child was healthy. That was that was my driving force. Is my child healthy? And why isn't there a way of me? Why isn't there a tool that I can use to track this and find this out easily? You know, I shouldn't have to go to my GP for this information. I shouldn't have to go on like random websites and Google answers and not know. You know, you have no idea what on the Internet, what's reliable and what isn't. Um, and so I wanted to create a space and a tool for parents to kind of understand their children's nutrition get that reassurance about what they're already doing, get kind of tips on how to feed their kids. Because one of the things that parents worry about is, um, you know, is my kid eating? And, oh my God, I just want them to eat something. Um, And then when you get to that, and you don't care what they're eating because you're just happy that they're eating. Um, But then that is one of the factors of why um, being healthy is so difficult nowadays because, the way we eat has changed drastically. The way we consume and buy food has changed drastically in the last, you know, 20 to 30 years. And it's not as easy as just saying, you know, get them to eat fruits and vegetables. You know, kids, kids don't, you know, abide by that anyway. But our food just isn't as healthy as it used to be. And it's, it's much busier. And we're much busier as well than we, than we used to be. Um, I saw a spike in um, app usage um, in the last six months because everyone's at home, everyone's cooking, everyone's focused on their nutrition, um, and it, it's not a trend. It's it's our lives. Uh, you know, nutrition is so important to our lives, and I think a lot of people are realizing that now. Um, and so, yeah, so that is what mini meal times is. 
And that's and I pulled together a team of dietitians and developers, did a lot of research, a lot of testing to figure out, you know, how parents were going to use this so that they could use it quickly as well, because that was the other thing. We're so busy um, to make this app. And we launched it at the beginning of the year and we've had, a, you know, a really, really good response from our, our first users, our first batch of users. I've been I'm really happy with the response that we've been getting from parents um, about how they're using it and what they like and what they don't like. Uh, and we've learned a lot. Uh, and yeah, I'm just excited for the future of Mini Meal Times. Cool, that sounds good. And you're currently raising around, um, am I right in understanding? Um, what are you looking to raise and what are you aiming to um, use that capital on? So we're aiming to raise a minimum of 350000 and a max of 500 k And we're going to spend the bulk of it on research and development and marketing. Those are the two things. I think at its core, Mini Mail Times is kind of the tech and the data behind it because we want to be able to have enough information to generate those personalized reports for parents and make them as accurate as possible. So that is where we spend a lot of our time researching and testing out the functionality um, and making sure um, the algorithm that's, that generates the data um, is accurate and makes sense to parents and is also easy for them to understand. So that is what we would spend most of the money on. Um, and then also marketing it to parents in the form of video content, um, podcast, <laughs> you know, podcasts like this, um, podcast like sponsorships um, and like targeting them where they already are, which is mostly on Instagram um, and just providing and just we want to just be able to continue, continually provide um, this service for parents and, and make it easier um, and, and building out new functionality that parents have been asking for the last six months. You know, I have a huge list that the same kind of four or five features keep coming up from parents saying they really want um, to be able to filter out for allergies, being able to filter out for dietary requirements, you know, if they're vegan or if they have religious restrictions. Um, uh, you know, it's a, a huge list of things that everyone keeps talking about. And so the money um, when we raise would go towards building out that fun- those functionalities. Okay, and to dive a little bit deeper into the personalised, um, like the individual reports, how, what's the minimal number of data points you're going to need to create, to start creating that functionality? And how accurate is it? What are you going to provide in those reports? So the absolute minimum that we ask parents to provide is um, a name for the child so we can have the account, but it, you know, whatever, you can name your child like Potato if you want. Um, But we just need their age um, and their gender. Those are the two, that's the most basic, basic level of information that we need. Um, And when you provide us that, then you get an average for your child. So the 50th percentile average of recommendations for sugar, salt, fat, calcium, um, and fiber. Those are, that's the generated thing. Um, But we ask for parents to give us a little bit more information just so we can make the reports a little bit more personalized so it's not 50th percentile because that's the other problem with nutrition labels that you get for adults it's it's generated for 50th percentile males and sometimes women which you know obviously it's the average but there's still you know millions of other people that don't fall neatly into the middle um and so you need you want to be able to zero in on that information a little bit more so then we ask for the um height and the weight of the child and then going forward, we also want to be able to ask for a little bit more information. So it turns out like how much activity level they've had um, and their mood, um, how much sleep they've gotten, how much water they've had recently, um, because it just paints a bigger picture the more information you have. Um, but the reports currently, once parents give us that information and they start tracking their meals, then we'll be able to say, you know, your five-year-old daughter who... Um, you know, is this weight and is this height, she is consuming, you know, the average amount of calcium and fiber, but she's over consuming and sugar. Um, But great, you know, really good because she's not having that much fat, um, you know, kind of saturated fats. Um, And so parents can compare and contrast kind of where they are at the average. And then the more parents use the app, the more intuitive the reports can be. So you'll start, they'll start seeing trends, Um, So it's not very helpful to track one meal um, one day because you'll get just a tiny picture. But if you start tracking it weekly, 
monthly will be able to really zoom out and see the big picture of their how they eat and like their nutrition overall um and that's really really important because children don't always even though they eat kind of the same 10 to 20 things as most humans do we kind of don't go out of our comfort zone too much um you know one day they might eat a ton and other days they might only nibble on something and so to get an accurate picture you need to be able to be monitoring it over a period of time to be really reliable um but for parents who just want like a snapshot of information about maybe a specific type of food, then they can also use the app to do that. They can just scan a product, type it in um, and the nutritional information that will that will be specific to their child and relevant to their child will also come up. Um, and that was really important to me because... The way I wanted to build the app was I wanted to build it for every type of family and every type of parent and every kind of child stage because, you know, you'll get kids that are fussy for years and then suddenly they're fine and vice versa. Um, Or you'll have one child who's really fussy or has like a lot of food allergies and restrictions and you'll have a kid that will just eat anything and it doesn't matter. Or you'll have a kid that doesn't eat anything seemingly but survives on air. (laughs) My friend is like, my child never eats anything. I don't know what they're doing. Um, And so I wanted to build um, this app for every parent so that they can use it um, for any type of day that they're having. They can use this app. Okay. And where are you um, supplying the data for the food items that you are populating the app with? How are you accessing that information and building out that database? So we, this was where a lot of the research went into, um, into getting portion science and the specific recommendations. Um, we worked for a really long time with uh, various dietitians, um, and particularly Sophie Medlin, who's our amazing dietitian, who worked, who's, we've been working on it since last year together. Um, so we kind of had to get that information manually from, you know, textbooks, published published reports, official government um, recommendations, and then kind of tailor it to every single age and range and bracket and then test it to make sure it matched up. Um, and then we also joined a food, a giant food database um, called, I think they're called Nutrenix. I need to double check on the name because I don't know off the top of my head, but it's like Nutrenix or Nutrifix or something. It's an Irish company and they have... Um, access to billions of uh like brands and meals um that we've plugged in and and joined their database so um the actual food the the food database isn't too um unique there's a ton of of services that have you know food databases it's just whichever one you plug into it's um our data that we attach to it that makes um mini meal times unique and how are you going to ensure that the information that is being produced back out to the um, parent about the child is as accurate as possible? You know, how much, how many data points do you need in your system to make sure the algorithm is producing something as close as possible to a correct recommendation for that individual child and their specific needs? Yeah, well, so we have to, this is the first version. So if we try to keep it as simple as possible because, you know, realistically you're never going to get it 100% accurate the only way to do that would be to be in monitored in a hospital and measuring like every grain of rice um which we wouldn't recommend parents do because that would drive them crazy and nobody has time to do that I do that with some meals though um because I like very exactly um but we don't recommend people do that really unless you know um so it's never going to be 100% accurate but that is why when we started out we wanted to keep it simple um so we say you're going to get a really good idea um and which is why we have the portion sizes and uh, barcode scanning because that's already calculated that's pre-calculated already so we don't need to do the work on that um but you're never going to get 100% accuracy and you don't you don't need it to be 100% anyway um because you'll make they'll make food and they won't always eat the entire thing um and it's not about giving parents an extra job um of like knowing exactly how much they're eating at all times it's about giving them an idea and a, like a guideline that they can sort of follow and, and be able to monitor and, and just get an idea um and then if they have any actual concerns um or the app is telling them that you know they're over consuming regularly um, over a period of time and you know we think this might become a problem then we are introducing functionality where we'd be able to offer um, video consultations with 
an actual dietitian who will be able to look at the data um, and then have that consultation and talk to parents. Um, it's not a medical device. So we do not say you should replace this in place of going to your GP, going to your doctor. You know, that's really, really important. I mean, I'd love to get to the stage where it's that um that intelligent and we can say yeah use it but we're totally not there yet um so now it's just about giving them general guidance um and giving them a good idea about like what their kids nutrition is like um but the we tested it and tested it and tested it and tested it um and the recommendations are accurate um and they come up regularly so on that end it's 100% accurate um but in terms of the amount that's consumed um it's never going to be 100% accurate because you can't um we don't recommend weighing stuff um but yeah it's as accurate as we can get it now and we're we're aiming for medical grade at some point that's our that's our ambition um but we're not there yet but yeah that's our that's our goal sounds good sounds like there's quite a bit of work um you know to be done and but it's in a really good place to be used right now. So let's talk a little bit about your um, market reach and your current customer base. You know, what is what are your current customer numbers like at the moment in terms of active users, and what is your total addressable market? What are you um, what are you planning for here? <laughs> the world, <laughs> every parent on the app. Um, I mean, that would be amazing. But yeah, that's that's like the, what the twenty year. 10 year plan um so we again this is the first version of the app and i i really want to get it right before we start um like doing mass market kind of worldwide you you know national campaigns i think that's uh would be a bit much right now but i think it's really important to build it in public so that you can kind of get all the kinks out as early as possible and do a lot of research to make sure you're not making like obvious mistakes. Um, So we have about 400 plus growing every day active users, um, which I absolutely love because I think it proves the concept. Um, You know, obviously I would love like 40,000 users, um, but you have a couple hundred users who are using it regularly and giving me really honest, raw, useful feedback. Um, and for me, that is absolutely invaluable. Um, you know, I think that's that's the best way of doing it, building it with kind of a smaller, dedicated kind of test group almost um, and letting them kind of run wild with the product and seeing what happens, what they like and what they don't like, just like monitoring it all and tweaking it as you go along. Um, I think that's the best way of doing it. The example that I always use, um, and I think I stole it from someone, but I don't know where I got it from, so I'm going to kind of pretend it was mine, um, is that you build, you know, it's the MVP kind of idea, right? So you, if you want to build a rocket ship, you don't start out necessarily doing that. You know, that's your unicorn rocket ship, right? But you start out building a skateboard um, and that's your first version. And then you kind of keep reiterating and tinkering with it, doing product testing, doing market research, changing things, taking things away and just seeing it. And you go from, you know, a skateboard to a bicycle, to a motorcycle, to a car. You know what I mean? Like you just keep getting better and better and better. Um, And I feel like we started out as that. We're now at a bike. That's where I feel like we are. I think Mini Wilson's is now a bike. Really good one. Like maybe uh, all-terrain, you know, one that you can tour de France. <laughs> yeah, I love that analogy. That's great. Yeah. Um, cool. That sounds good. And should we talk about the team a little bit? Who's on the team right now? And what are the plans for, um, you know, increasing headcount with the current round that you're hoping to raise? Yeah, so other than myself, um, we have Sophie, who I mentioned, she is uh, our main dietitian, and she kind of consults with everything that is in the app in terms of the recommendations. And just also like the the way we position ourselves and features. Um, and then we also have Chloe, who is also a dietitian, but she's specifically for um, adolescent nutrition. So she is uh, really zeroed in on that information. She double checks everything. And then we have Rajat, who is our developer, our head developer. And I, we, he and I kind of coded it together and we sort of built it but they him and his team of freelance designers and developers um built out like most of the functionality realistically um and helped me kind of design it and test it and I did it that way because 
when I was building it, I didn't have tons of money. I still don't have tons of money. And so I had to outsource it um, to India. So that's where uh, Rajat's based. And it was interesting because I think it was about, I first, we first met or spoke, I think about two years ago. And everyone was like, oh God, remote hiring, that's so risky. Like how, how are you going to like get a team culture and how are you going to trust each other if you're so far away? Um, and now like that question is kind of ridiculous because everyone's having to do it. Uh, but like, you know, two years ago, it was still seen as a little bit strange. Um, but he's been with me since the beginning and, you know, we regularly will message each other at like 3 a.m. going like, we've done this, we haven't done this, this isn't working. I'm like, ah, this is broken, fix it. Um, and sometimes it works because there's, there's a, I think it's about eight or six hour time difference. Um, but it's really nice because then I go to sleep and I wake up and stuff's been done and vice versa. Um, so sometimes it's better not to have someone who's on the same time zone as you. you what you don't want is like working with someone who's like a day away because then it's too much. But um, I think having a good chunk actually works because then there's always someone doing something. You're kind of, you've got like a 24 hour staff in a way, um, which I think has worked out to our favor. Um, so it's, the team is still kind of, pretty small but we get on really well and everyone's really really passionate about the idea um you know I'm working for free um and everyone is either working has worked for free in the past um or was working on a really really reduced um kind of salary just because they're like no we just we just want to figure this out we want want it to work we want to build it because it's such an amazing idea um and we want to be there from the start you know you kind of think back you know I'm not necessarily going to compare myself to like Google but (laughs) because it's completely different products but you know you kind of think oh it'd be so cool to like work with someone right at the beginning when it before it blows off and it'd be called you know really cool and that's the that's the beauty of startups I think that's what people find so exciting about startups because you don't know if it's going to blow up and be amazing um but you just have that excitement. You want to be there from the beginning. You want to help, like, change the future of this product and, like, what it's going to be. Um, you know, I think that's why people get addicted to working at startups because it's just you don't know what's going to happen. There's just all this potential. It's, yeah, I, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Do any of you have mentoring or coaching or have you ever sought or thought about doing that? Um, so I have... So I, so when I first, first had this idea, I actually went to the Prince's Trust. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know what that is, the Prince's Trust is a charity that helps uh, young people start businesses. Um, and they have mentoring and coaching support and business classes. And it's really, it's an amazing organization. Um, if you're under 29, no, if you're under 30 and you're listening to this, like, and you want to start a business and you have no background in business like I did, um, like, check them out because it's all free. It's, it's a, a fantastic organization. Um, but I, I kind of joined with them and I thought, I didn't really know anything about them. I just knew they helped people start businesses and I heard free. So I was like, oh, because <laughs> as a founder, you have to be very like, you can't just throw, you have usually don't have any startup capital. So you have to be very like um, sensible with where you spend your money. And you also have to listen to the right people because you'll get a lot of people that don't know what they're talking about um, or have ulterior motives. And so it's, it's really important when you're starting out to be able to know who to listen to as well. Um, and make sure it's like qualified sources and they don't have ulterior motives. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine who wants to start a business and she was asking me for advice about what to do. And she said, oh, I met this really amazing woman and she was giving me all this great advice. And I said, oh, you know, that's great. You know, maybe she'll be a mentor and blah, blah, blah. And then she was like, yeah, and she really wants me to sign up to her course. And I was like, oh God, here we go. (laughs) And then she was like, yeah, but um, she told me that I have to sign up in the next two days because otherwise the introductory off and I was just like stop stop this is no no <laughs> and I had to like t- like delete the messages ignore this woman uh, and you know obviously coaching and um business coaching and stuff like that is that is a really great fresh I know really good coaches but um I think if someone starts out like that it's always a bad red it's a big red flag in my opinion um and 
for me, you're better off going to the free resources initially um, who will give you that foundation because you can get them from, you know, there's so many places you can get them for free without spending your, because your idea might be terrible. Like (laughs) not everyone's idea is good. Your idea might be terrible or you might not like have the passion for the idea to run with it and start a company and raise money and, and, and talk to customers and sell it and get rejected and scale it to be anything like, you know, not everyone has, has that in them or they don't want to do that. Not everyone wants to be in a startup. Um, it's like writing a book. Like you might have an idea for a book, but are you going to sit there and write a book? Some, you know, some people will, some people won't. Um, and so I don't think it's a good idea to be spending hundreds or thousands of pounds before you, before you know, before you're committed, you know, it'd be like going on a date and then having a kid. (laughs) You're like, I've no idea. You need to go on some dates first, like not one, you know, see what's going to happen do some research first before you invest in anything something i'd really like to know is can your users communicate on the app together is there a community where they can come together and discuss their challenges um not currently um we i don't know we didn't we didn't build that in um just because i wanted it to be a very kind of non-judgmental space because nutrition can be especially like whenever you're feeding kids you look on the internet and you're always going to get people on opposite ends of the spectrum saying how dare you feed your child this and other people go well as long as they're eating something and I didn't want to have a community first um because of that because I didn't want that divisiveness and I wanted people to feel like they had a safe space to monitor this nutrition um and that it was just just advice and just um, like the the reports. And that's why we didn't build that out. Um, We are thinking about building that out into the the app at some point, but I've seen so many businesses who um, the culture becomes toxic really, really quickly, really early on. Um, And then it doesn't become a a safe space for for people to ask questions. Um, It becomes a place for for people to... Um, critique each other and be really negative and I felt like our team was too small to be able to um, moderate that and 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 have it scale um, you know I think when we're fundraising when we're bringing more people in that could be an option but I didn't want it to get out of control I mean I know we only have at the moment 400 plus users but <laughs> you only need two people to create a toxic environment um, and so we didn't we nixed that idea initially straight away and I think it's really important when you are building something to know where your strengths and weaknesses lie. And again, where you are in the business, like what makes sense for the business. Um, I hear a lot of people saying like, oh, we need to build out the community. And I'm like, I, and I agree with them up to a point, but it's also at this point, it's not a community driven app. It's a platform, if that makes sense. Um, And so we might build that in. We might, uh, and you know, we might create a Facebook group, where parents can can interact. Um, But I'm just worried about any kind of like negativity that isn't helpful or people kind of like posting information that's inaccurate. Um, And I'm like, mini mealtimes is about giving parents information for their children's health. And it's all been fact-checked and curated to make sure that this information is as up-to-date and as reliable as possible. And what I don't want is like some random person like posting something that they saw uh, online somewhere that isn't true. Um, And I don't want to have to like delete things. And, you know, I just think we need to maybe really, really curate the information that parents see to make sure that it's accurate. Um, So that's why we haven't um, developed any kind of community um, like features into the app yet. I mean, that might happen in the future, but um, for right now, I think we need to focus on where our strengths lie. Um, and there's also so many other amazing Facebook groups where parents can do that. Um, I actually, I, I, I follow a lot of them, especially when people talk about nutrition and like, help, I need like eating ideas. I've gotten a lot of users from that, actually. Just me going like, hey, download the app for recipe ideas. Um, or, you know, people have posted their children's dinners and saying, you know, this is what my child ate. And you'll see so many people going, how can you give your child that? It's so unhealthy. There's, it's just nothing but carbs. That's so unhealthy. Um, and I go, guys, do you know that like there's carbs in vegetables? Like it, it's, broccoli is a carb. And people are like, minds are blown. And I'm just like, this is why we need an app like this to, to 
decode nutrition and make it simple and so people can understand it because there's so many misconceptions about food um, and eating and obesity. Um, You know, one of the things that I kind of discovered on my research is that, you know, one, there's a massive obesity crisis. It's really, really targeting younger children, um, which is a, has a massive impact. Um, then early nutrition has a massive impact on the rest of their lives. And so I was like, so we should be focusing on this This is a big deal guys. (laughs) Like, and it affects everything going forward. Um, and so it should be a priority, but then there's also a stigma around, you know, if a child is, you know, looks bigger, you know, they look fat. Um, and they're like, oh, that, that child must be so unhealthy. The parents are, are neglecting them. They're not giving them the right food. And, you know, sometimes obviously that, that is the case. Um, but one of the reasons why we don't focus on cal- the amount of calories in food in the app, so that's one of the things that you won't see highlighted in the app, is a calorie counter. Because it's not a calorie counter. It's not about um, weight loss. Um, it's about nutrition and having a healthy, healthy, balanced meals. Um, and so that is why we don't highlight it um, at all. In the first version of the app, we actually did have it there because I was like, well, it's a food tracker. You see that in all food trackers. But then we realized that like, that's not what the app's about. And so why, why is that information there? That's not helpful to parents. Um, you know, it's, it's just not helpful. And so it, it is calculated in the back, but it's not, parents won't see that information because it's not relevant. Um, they just need to know if, if it's a healthy, balanced meal. Um, and, you know, if it's maybe high in sugar, then that's okay because it's about moderation. Um, we just need to make sure that <laughs> it's moderated and, you know, you're not giving um, them, you know, particularly high sugar meal every single day, um, you know, for the, rest, for the months and months and months. And so, um, yeah, we just really wanted to make sure that it was um, educational. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like the educational side of things is, you know, just really, really key is making sure that people have accessible educational resources so they know what choices they're making when they're out selecting foods. Um, I read a stat that only 18% of children are eating five or more uh, portions of fruit each day or fruit and vegetables. And that's just, that's so low. Um, how are you going to access people who, you know, the, the, um, Oh, I lost it. <laughs> I have to go back and ask that question again. So how are you going to access um, the demographics that don't have, you know, like the low economic demographics, people who don't have access to phones? Um, how are you going to help get this, res- this research that you've, you've found and also, you know, the information you have, the education to those people? Yeah, um, that's a tough question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's difficult. So the pandemic really hit us, I think, as most companies. But one of the things that we were um, working on just before the pandemic hit and before the school shut was going to schools and doing seminars with parents and children and community centres and, and doing, you know, very similar things. That was kind of the plan. But then obviously, like, in-person stuff got nixed and then doing anything with more than, like, five people became impossible. Um, so... That's on the back burner for the moment, which is quite frustrating. But we're thinking of um, doing it remotely. We're trying to figure out a way of of doing it remotely. Um, I think at the moment, accessing people without a phone, we're not really going to have the option because it's an app. Um, But also, like most people have phones and even um, phones that aren't you know the newest most modern phones like most phones nowadays have the functionality where you'd be able to download the app um unless you're like my grandfather who still has a nokia like i'm not joking (laughs) (laughs) oh they were the best phones i think i still have my 3210 oh my god i I wasn't even allowed one i wasn't allowed a a phone until i was 18 and then i had a it was i think it was called a pebble um it was like it didn't do anything (laughs) it made phone calls and texted people and then like occasionally it would go on the internet um and I would get a massive charge and so I never went on it um so thankfully most phones have I think leveled the playing field now so even um people that you know don't have the latest iPhone you know you can access websites you can access apps you know the app store is a great leveler um 
which I think is fantastic. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted it to um, be an app in the first place. You know, someone was like, why don't you do courses um, for parents? And I'm so glad I didn't do that because that would have been terrible. You know, I think having an app has made it accessible to more people. And that's kind of our thing we want to make, you know, good quality nutrition information accessible to everyone. That's really, really important to me because, you know, as I said, when my child was going through the health things, we had to go private for a lot of stuff because the wait for the NHS was so long. And I love the NHS. I think it's absolutely wonderful, but there's so many people on it. And so you do have to wait a little bit. Um, And which is usually fine, but obviously as a first time parent, I was like, no, I need to know the answer. You know, I need to know information straight away um i am very like data um obsessed which is why i created this app in the first place (laughs) um so i like to know everything all the time and get up-to-date information and that wasn't happening and so we had to go private but then even going private it was still do a food log in a notebook and i was just like this is not this is not what i want i need something quicker um and then i think the story i tell a lot is walking through a shop and just going, is this healthy? I have no idea. I have no idea if this is okay for my kid. Like a lot of this stuff isn't marketed towards children and the stuff that is marketed towards children, it's full of like cartoon characters and it's like way more expensive than the store brands. And I'm like, which one is healthier? Um, Cause you know, before kids it was, which is tastier, but now it's like, which one is healthier? Um, and I think people assume that the more expensive versions are healthier, but that's not always the case. It, it, it really depends on who's making it and what the product is. Um, and, you know, portion sizes, is the portion size appropriate for a small child? You know, a, a child is, so one of the stories that really makes me laugh, I was talking to a parent and he was saying how he had, um, these portion size guides for his kids. And the guide said, you know, do a fist and the fist is a good indicator of like the portion size. You know, the hand will be how much they need to be eating. But he heard fist, so he was measuring his hand for their portions, not their hands. And so he was giving them these huge portions and then getting stressed because they weren't eating and going, oh God, they're only nibbling at it. They're not eating enough food. I'm so stressed, blah, 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 blah. And then they then realized that it was because they were giving them too big, their portions were too big. And so while they were nibbling, what they actually consumed was actually an appropriate amount for them. But because we're so visual as human beings, we see the plate and because there's only a little bit eaten on with it, they're not, they're not eating enough. Like this, they're, they're unhealthy. Like I'm not providing, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, as parents, you just, you want the best for your kids. But a lot of the time, especially if you're a first time parent, you just, you second guess everything you do and you're going to make mistakes. Um, and so, yeah, we wanted, we wanted the app. Another reason we, we helped wanted to create the app was so that like that didn't happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a that was a good that was a good uh, good. He's a good guy, um, and he was he's one of our early users. So that was um, that was interesting. Of course, <laughs> was like, yeah, sounds really interesting. There's a reason ninety percent of employees do not use their company's chosen wellbeing benefits. Wellbeing means different things to different people, and it's impossible to provide something that makes everyone happy. It's especially important now that work has become remote for companies to get their employee wellbeing initiatives right. If you're looking to improve employee wellbeing at your company, then you need to speak to Juno. They take the pain out of employee wellbeing with a complete solution that helps businesses save and keeps employees happy. The reason Juno works so well is that it's the first employee wellbeing platform designed from the ground up with the modern professional in mind. Juno connects staff directly with excellent wellness providers and lets them define what wellness means to them. They're available throughout the UK and in 18 countries worldwide. With Juno Points, it's easy to book amazing wellness and development experiences from your desk or mobile phone. Whether you need a cleaner, a therapist, a nanny or a Pilates teacher, they're all tailored to your schedule and your needs. Companies large and small see over 90% adoption and save up to 64% on wellbeing and development spend using Juno. So what are you waiting for? Companies like Heights, Koto, Connect Ventures and Buttermilk trust Juno with their employee wellbeing. Reshape your employee wellbeing program today with Juno. Go to www.withjuno.com to find out more. And what's better, if you sign up using the code PITCHPOD, you can receive 10% off your first three months. 
So I've heard with like my fitness pal, some people get so obsessed with tracking their food that they end up in a negative um like food association spiral how are you going to like ensure that's mitigated and that you know no one becomes too attached to it that they end up having an unhealthy relationship with food yes well that so that is that is really really important to us that it doesn't happen um that one of that is one of the reasons why we made sure that only adults can access the app for the moment because I think if we someone said you know you can get teens using it and I said teens are much more likely to get obsessed with their weight and to fixate on that and and have an unhealthy association with like food and their body image so um we I was like we have to be really 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 careful about introducing anything like that so we need to make sure that it's only adult accessing accessing the app at least initially um so that we can like mitigate that happening um also we have you know, I think I spoke about making sure the app was relatively simple early on um, so that there's not that much information to get super obsessed why we only show the really key important um, like metrics that they need to be focusing on. Um, and there's a lot of reminders about like looking at the big picture. It's a general guidance, always talking to your doctor Um just so that doesn't happen. Um, you know, realistically, I'm sure you're going to get people who who will do that. Like, there's no way to make it, to, like, stop that from happening completely. Um, you know, as I said, I'm probably the most extreme user of the app. You know, I measure portion sizes out. That's just what I do. Um, just because, ironically, I'm not actually a very good cook. <laughs> I, I love cooking, but I'm, I'm not, like, I don't have, like, an intuitive, like, cooking guide so I have to really follow recipes my husband always makes fun of me but I'm like no 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 no. like we need to follow the recipe exactly whereas he's the type of person who will just like throw together ingredients to make this delicious meal whereas I'm just like no but we need 20 grams of this like you can't just pour it in (laughs) um so I'm probably the most extreme user so if anyone's going to get addicted to it it's going to be me um (laughs) uh but yeah as we as we grow i think similar to my answer in terms of um community we're just really making going treading very carefully whenever we introduce a new feature to make sure um it's it's not harmful to people um it's only helpful you know it's like is this a helpful feature is it a harmful feature and like what is the worst that could happen um, if someone was using this every single day, you know, the worst thing that could happen if a parent literally used the app every single day, um, for every single meal and tracked everything is one, they would find so much use out of it and go, wow, Marie, thank you for creating this wonderful app. (laughs) But, um, I don't think at this stage they could get unhealthily fixated with it. Um, and again, we always remind them that if they're ever really concerned that they, they need to be talking to their doctor about anything. Um, and I think that's probably a good thing. It'd be really great to hear what key features um, you're looking to roll out in the pipeline. You know, what are you, particularly ones that you're going to use this investment round to help um, fund? And what are you working on in the short term? What are your immediate priorities right now? Um, so the things that we really want to build now is making the database more expansive. Um, just making sure every food comes up because I think for an app like this, one of the worst things to happen is you type in a food that your child has eaten and it doesn't come up because it's not in the database. Um, and that's happened a few times. Luckily, not too many times and people have usually pretty happy to look for an alternative or just say okay we'll skip that particular thing because it's the first version so they're very understanding thankfully (laughs) um but just to make the app uh the database of food uh just as big as possible um just so we can make the user experience better for parents because that is our focus is making the user experience better you know you want to you want them happy in the app you want it to be a very smooth um easy process when they're when they're using it so they're not um they're not you know looking at the app and going oh god like it's buffering or (laughs) it doesn't have what I want um so you know you don't want them disappointed in that sense so wanting to make the database bigger but that's really expensive unfortunately um and it's really frustrating on our end because the 
the data that we have created to make the app unique, we have now built that for the most part. Um, and that is what I think is most valuable. But without having like a really expansive database, it, it does like hinder us a little bit, which I find very frustrating. Um, so that's what the... Um, that's what the the funding round would be useful to to build out that um and also just to make the reports a little bit more detailed as well um you know we've had to make it relatively basic really focus on the most imp- absolute most important features but there are you know parents have asked for more you know because they want a little bit more detail um we want to be able to add a few more databases to make it um, as helpful and unique as possible. Um, so that's what we'd also build out for. We are currently working on, um, as I said, uh, video consultations. So being able to, if parents feel like they need a little bit more support, that the articles and the tips within the app and the nutrition reports aren't quite giving them that they need more reassurance or they need more information. Um, you'd be able to access someone that would be able to kind of describe what's in the reports to you. Um, And so we are building that out and we should be able to roll it out relatively soon. Um, And I think one of the things I've tried to do with the app is try to build things. So trying to be, so whenever we build features out, trying to think, you know, is this a helpful feature? Why are we building this? And also how can we build this without spending a ton of money because when you're building something new you don't know if it's going to be helpful like you're going to assume it is and you're going to assume it's going to be useful people are going to like it but you don't actually know so what we didn't want with our limited capital was to throw a ton of money at something new um and untested and so we tried to do it relative in like a kind of a very lean way and I think we'll always continue to do that. Uh, I think that's just sensible. You see so many people throwing, raising money and then throwing money um, and spending it on so, like, unnecessarily on products that nobody wants or cares about. And they're not, not focusing on their core product and making that better um, and, and it not working out. So I think it would just be about making the nutrition reports as good as they possibly can be um and having that and adding that value to parents so that they are reassured about what their kids are eating they're more knowledgeable about nutrition they've got more confidence when they're cooking they know what to buy um or what not to buy uh you know that's that's what we want that's the value that we add to parents with this app and so we just want to keep building on that um going going forward um and then just getting more parents using the app and and hearing more features that maybe i've never even thought about that they've they're calling out for so yeah that's what sounds yeah it sounds a really good way to answer exactly what your audience you know are asking for and what they need to you know really listen to their feedback so i'm going to ask the really big question now how are you going to monetize this and how you know what is your business model So, yeah, how are we going to make money? (laughs) That's a good question. Uh, So, yeah, well, the the plan at the moment is the core functionality of the app, so the nutrition reports, the scanning, um, as the app is now, is free. So we're not charging for for use of the app at the moment. And it's really, really important to me that that stays the same for the rest of the uh, lifetime of this app. Uh, because we want to make good quality nutrition accessible, you know, to get the kind of baseline information for that parents are getting from this app now would cost so much money. It costs, you know, about, you know, average amount is about £100 an hour for um, like a really good quality dietitian slash nutritionist um, to get this like baseline information just to get like the 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 tracking and the, the recommendations getting there. Um, and so I was like, I, I want to make this available to everyone. That's what I want. I want to be able to help people that aren't in the same position um, or don't have the time, uh, like a crazy person that I tried to be, which was like manually do it in a spreadsheet. Because uh, that was one of the other things I tried to do initially. I tried to put everything in a spreadsheet by myself and, and track it. And it was it was just a faff and like, you know, we needed, I needed a dietitian to come and help decode things and put things into context. And so it's not really something the average person could do. And so I really wanted to make sure that that was always, always free. Um, But the way that we're monetizing it is, um, as I said, we're introducing 
video consultation. So um, once people have used the app for a certain period of time or they've come across it and they're just like, I want more information now. <laughs> like, I need more information. I have concerns about my child's eating and um, all that stuff that they would be able to access a dietitian who'd be able to look at the data within the app and be able to give them consultations through that. Um, so that's one of our routes of monetization and then we'd also introducing a subscription service. So these future features that I've mentioned and a couple more that I haven't, uh, just because we'd be here all day, um, we would we would put that behind a paywall. So that would be an extra thing that parents could access for a small fee. And we decided to do it that way just because, you know, you have to make money from things eventually. You can't make everything free. And we didn't want to have really obnoxious pop-up ads in the app because we thought it would take away from the legitimacy of the information. It would be very distracting. Um, and you can curate what type of ads appear on your platform to a degree, but there's always an element of like not being in control because they're not your ads. Um, and so I didn't want to have to be putting out fires unnecessarily. And I wanted it to be just a space where parents could focus on the information and not get distracted. Um, so that's why we put it behind a paywall. And then also in terms of market research, parents are much more likely to pay for subscriptions in general um, and women in particular. Though the interesting data behind that is... Um, a male parent is more likely to spend more money on a subscription than a woman, but a woman is more likely to have the subscription in the first place. Um, so it's interesting the way like different parents kind of use it. And actually, um, not every single parent, but I've noticed a lot of the men, when I ask them why they use the app or what brought them on there in the first place, they say, you know, it's because, you know, I don't want to get in trouble um, or I don't want to do something wrong. So I just, I, I just use the app as like a shield to say, look, the app said I could do this. Like you fed them this last week. So I'm just going to copy paste what you did and blah, blah, blah. Um, and there is an element of sexism, sexism to that because, you know, dads are perfectly capable of, of being parents and giving their children food. But I think they just need a bit more confidence because they do, you know, they do, they do like kind of default to the mom a lot of the time because, you know, even with our modern society, like women are more likely to be the one cooking, buying the food, like dealing with the kids in general. Um, and so dads will default to mom um, or default to mini meal times. And so that's kind of how I try to sell it to men. Yeah. <laughs> like you can play us, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so I yeah. think it's such a, it's a challenge in the wider society as well. I'm still sitting here waiting for the government to roll out, you know, an equal parental leave um, <laughs> policy, but we'll see. We could be waiting years for that one. Yeah. Um, what do you think is your key competitor that might be you know another company it could be time it could be notebooks if people would prefer that interact you know what do you see as your key competitor um key competitor yeah because it's like we're the only um we're the only app that's offering this specific service. Um, so we don't have a key competitor in that sense. But like you said, I think time is probably our main competitor because parents are so, so busy. And so we really try to build it in a way that is useful to them, but quickly. Um, and, you know, we're still kind of tinkering with things and, and trying to make it as easy as possible. So, you know, I'm sure you'll look at the app this time next year and it will have changed a little bit, well, maybe a lot, and it will be even better to use. Um, but I would say time, yeah, I would say time is our competitor um, because, yeah, apps are a dime a dozen almost. And so it's really important to try to stand out and show that value really quickly early on. Um, and I think we are doing that a little bit because our users are so sticky early on. And um, I think the death of an app is someone that downloads it and then never even opens it. Uh, and that doesn't happen with us, thankfully. <laughs> um, you know, I think I saw a thing where it's like the majority of, there's like so many apps on the app store that don't even have a download. They, they just die and you're just like oh it's a graveyard it's so sad um but like you know even though we're not like we've not hit a million users yet um I think that our users are amazing already like I love I love the users and the I don't like saying users I like saying parents um because our users are going to be parents for the most part um though we do want to start introducing the app into schools um 
and offering a version of the Applica Pro version to nurseries and to clinicians um, and to schools where they can have um, like bulk accounts. Because at the moment, I think you're restricted to about three children on an account. Um, so be what you know, we're planning on introducing bulk things where you could have, you know, unlimited or, you know, 100 users on one account. So different service providers and childcare providers can access the information with the parents permission obviously um to be able to access that thing especially for lunches um most people have no idea what their kids are having for lunch (laughs) they're just like i don't know i'm not there did they eat i have no idea um and so we would probably not be able to always know exactly what they uh how much they ate but um getting that information is relatively easy um and for nurseries because there's obviously slightly less children you'd be able to monitor like actually what they ate would be a little bit easier um for schools realistically schools are not going to add like you know (laughs) every child's meal is not going to happen but i think for parents it's just good to have that information so they know like you know okay for lunch they fed them let's say you know the standard thing of like chips and chicken or something um so like okay so we're not going to give them chips and chicken for dinner because you want them to have balanced moderation in their diet in what they're eating so we'll give them something else um or you know sometimes it's like my child doesn't eat very much at dinner but it's because they had a really big lunch at school and you don't need to freak out and and you know spend money that's going to go in the bin um so hopefully we can use it as a tool of like reassuring and again big picture you know it's what did they have for lunch was it a big lunch was it a small lunch what did they do last week were they running around like there's so many different um things like variables that factor in about like why a child eats and why they do what they why they eat and why they don't um and I, I just find that so fascinating and there's so many things that we could like incorporate into the app to make it even more accurate and even more useful it's just yeah I just can't wait till we can (laughs) yeah it sounds like a minefield um I think it's always really interesting to hear from the other side when people are looking for investment so what would you say would be the three key attributes you are looking for in an investor um similar to the way I want to work with teams someone who is not afraid to speak their mind um obviously you don't want someone that wants to take control but you want someone that's going to be honest with you um because i don't necessarily always just want cash i mean if someone just wants to give me a check that's fine um but you know you want you want people that like know what they're talking about a little bit and so be able to give advice um you know on the flip side i also don't want someone who wants to be there day to day because you want to just run your business they need to be able to trust that you can make these decisions without you know being there next to you all the time um but yeah you just you want someone that's experienced and um I think the other thing I want is someone who is like passionate about the idea because startups are crazy and you really have to just like trust in the team and the idea um that they they can run with it and so I want someone that's like really passionate about what I'm doing you know there would be no point in me getting an investor who was like interested in you know I don't know blockchain like I don't it's not a blockchain company and that wouldn't interest me at all and so for an investor like that who's invested in those companies like that most likely our app, our app wouldn't be interesting to them even though I think nutrition is the most important thing in the world I know I'm biased but as I said it impacts us for the rest of our lives um and early early nutrition has the biggest impact you know it's all well and good suddenly you're 35 and you want to go on a health kick and start like hacking your body to try to be super healthy because you've got money and time now um because I've met a lot of investors like that they're like yeah yeah like I I track everything and it's great um and I'm super healthy but I'm like do you know what would be easier is if like you were super healthy when you're a kid um and it's, it's just the best way of doing it to, to start at the root of the problem before it becomes a problem. Um, you know, I hear a lot of parents going, some, some parents will say to me, Oh, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to focus too much about what they're eating. I just want them to eat. And that is important. But what I try to get across to parents, it, it doesn't matter what they eat, because if you do that for the first few years of their lives, then what tends to happen because of the way our food has changed so much is then the problems start to arise when they're like five or six or seven, eight. And then the older they get, the harder it is to instill healthy habits to make their body physically healthy. Um, And then they go through puberty and it is a 
it's a, sh- you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And so I'm like, just make it easier on yourself. Like, honestly, you, like you don't want to set yourself up to fail and you don't want to put so much pressure on yourself. Um, just start early and do it right early on. Um, and you just, it's going to make your life so much easier. Um, but also, you know, as I said, sometimes just it's fine to just <laughs> say that's fine, just let it eat. Um, but I think we do need to pay more attention to nutrition. We really, really do, because it, it has far-reaching consequences um, into how much money gets spent on, you know, kind of all the associations on health that the government and insurance agencies and hospitals have to invest in. Um, and so I'm just like, let's just start early on. Let's just get it right early on so we don't have to spend money down the line. It just it just makes sense. Um, so, yeah, so some, for an investor, I would look for someone who is knowledgeable um, just as a business person. They don't necessarily need to be knowledgeable about nutrition, but just as a, an experienced person, ideally someone who's run a business beforehand um, but if not someone who has managed multiple teams at scale, um, someone who's interested in the business, and then also someone who like has enough money where they can invest a large amount <laughs> because like I still want the money. <laughs> so you want really, them to you know. stay on longer terms and not just a seed round. You want them to be there for the whole journey. Exactly. Because yeah. investing is like a marriage. It is a, it's a real relationship. Um, and what you don't want is someone who is like, I want to invest in you now and I need a return in two years. You know, I am super, super ambitious and I would love to be in that position where I'm like, look, we started generating revenue. We've made 10 times as much. We've increased month on month. Like, that's what you want, right? That's amazing. Um, and I do see this company as being a potentially billion dollar company. Like, I, I honestly do. It's nutrition, which is like super hot right now. It's not even a trend. It's something that we need to be focusing on in the next five to 10 years. Um, parents are primed for a tool like this and it's super accessible. And I am very ambitious and someone who wants to kind of take take it and run with it. Um, so I do think this company has like massive potential. Um, and but realistically, like you're not going to be able to cash out in a year. Um, and that would and I think that's a really bad thing to have for a company, especially at steed stage, because it just it puts too much pressure on the investor and the company. Um, and so you want someone that wants to grow with you and wants to see you get big, um, but be on that journey with you. And, you know, also I think from an investor's perspective, if we flip it back, um, you know, I was talking to investors and they're like, you know, it used to be you would want a founder to not have any kind of salary. You want them to invest their blood, sweat and tears into the business, stay with the company until it can IPO potentially. Um, you don't want them to, to sell the business when it's worth a couple million because for, especially for big funds, if you sell your company for a million pounds, um, for the founders, that might be pretty sweet, but for an investment fund, that's a failure. Um, they want it to be worth 10 times that. And so you don't want the founders struggling. Um, and so I think it's now changed, thankfully, where they say, look, we're going to give you options. You'll be able to take some money off the table earlier on so you can have a decent enough salary to be able to keep invested. Um, you know, and I've been lucky where I've had family support. So I have been able to not take a salary at all and focus everything on this business. Um but most people can't. It's not fair, realistically, to expect people to work for years and years without any kind of financial reward. It's, it's not right. I wouldn't do it. I won't even take an intern on um, because I'm like, I'm not going to have someone working for me that's not getting paid. Like an adult, like someone who's experienced in their field, they've got money um, from other sources who wants to work on the project. Fantastic. That's great because you've got money coming in from different avenues. You've got years of experience. You know what you're doing. But I'm not going to take on like an 18 year old kid who's just trying to get their foot in the door because I'm like, I, I can't pay right now. So I don't think it's ethical. I would love to because I've had I've had so many people message me and saying I'll work for free, and I'm like, no, it's I'm an sorry. unhealthy way to live. And they think they can do it at first, but they'll just yeah. be stressing in the background. Um, you do. I did that when I was 18. I worked for a year and a half uh, interning in different companies, um, and I learned a lot, and it was fantastic. But it wasn't fair. I wasn't getting paid. Like the amount of money they should have spent like they paid me considering how much work I was doing. It's, it's really unethical. Um, so yeah, so it'd be good. It'd be really, the other thing we'd like to do with the funding is be able to bring, um, bring people into the team who 
um, can help help us grow a little bit more, um, who are getting people who get in their foot in the door. They've only been, you know, in the industry for a few years who won't be like super expensive, but are really passionate about the idea. Because that's what you want. You want people who um, are kind of early on who aren't like super expensive. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I want there to be a balance between like getting people who are eager, but also not taking advantage of that, like that newness. I don't think that's right. Um, yeah. So those would be my, my three things. It's been really great talking to you today and hearing more about mini meal times. It's been so insightful. I've learned so much, um, from talking to you, you know, um, throughout your journey. Um, if customers want to download the app, where can they do that? If investors want to get in contact with you, how do they do that? Uh, so they can go to the app stores if they want to download the app. Um, so pa- any parents that are listening or people that know parents, tell them to go to the app store and type in mini meal times. It will come up as the first result. We've got good uh, user search results in there, ASO as they call it. Uh, so yeah, so type in mini meal times and it will come up um, in the app store. We've got a lovely green logo that you can't miss. And then if you're an investor um, and you want to you want to invest or you just as in general as an investor or as a parent or anyone that wants to hear more about the app, just email me. Uh, my email is marie.farmer at minimealtimes.com uh, or there's a contact form on our website, which is minimealtimes.com. Uh, so yeah, I'm very, I'm very contactable and I talk a lot. So yeah, I'm happy to, <laughs> to answer any questions anyone has. Thank you so much, Marie. It's been really wonderful. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful talking to you. enjoyed hearing Marie's story as much as I did. She's brought together an expert team and they've developed a product that every parent can benefit from. I always feel so inspired when I talk to people who've taken the initiative to go out and resolve their own problems, knowing it's going to help thousands of others too. If you're an investor interested in investing in mini meal times, please do get in touch with Marie. If you'd like to find out more about Pitched at the Podcast or you're interested in getting involved in future series, please email me at sarah at pitchdeckpodcast.com. The next series will be on EdTech and the future of learning. If you know of any founders working within this space who are raising in Q1 of next year, please do get in touch. On the next episode, we hear from the founders of Mirza, a femtech meets fintech on a mission to close the gender pay gap. See you next week.